Well, you can turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. We are continuing our study through the Gospel of Luke. And if you don't have a Bible, there should be one in your pew in that row. If you don't have a Bible at all at home, take that Bible in the pew, write your name in it, and take it home. That's yours. We want you to have a Bible. But we've been going through the Gospel of Luke, and we're calling this series through the book, Good News for Everyone. That's what Dr. Luke, the author of this gospel, wants to make clear is that Jesus is for everyone, that this was not just a gospel for one specific group of people in one specific place. It's for to judge or we would be judged, not to condemn or we would be condemned, that we should forgive and we should give generously. We were talking about this idea of measuring twice and cutting once, that we'd be people that are slow to quickly run and find faults in others, and that we would be quick to come to the Word of God and allow Him first to reveal the log in our own eye before we go and find the speck in our brother's eye. And that's important because it's within that context that we come to the short section we'll be looking at this morning, beginning in Luke six forty-three, and here's what we read. It says, For a good tree does not bear bad fruit nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks." And God, as we open your word this morning, we come before your word recognizing that it is living and it is active, that your word is truth, that your word will endure forever. And so, God, we pray that this living, true, eternal word would find good soil in our hearts this morning. That we would be people that are hungry for the Word of God, people who feast on it and meditate on it, God, and that it would bear much fruit in our lives. God, may you be glorified this morning as we study your words. We need your words, Lord, not the words of a man. And so would you give us spiritual eyes to see the truth within this text, spiritual ears to, to hear and perceive and then an empowerment by your Spirit to go out and live in light of your Word. For your glory we pray, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, if you're taking notes, you can write down this title this morning, From Root to Fruit. From the Root to the Fruit. It's what we're looking at here in this short little parable that Jesus will give to the people on the plane this day, to continue to speak to this idea that he's been sharing with them. It's the same idea last week when he's talking about teachers and and their disciples who will become like them and, and beware of the blind that are leading the blind into a pit that they will fall in after them and and the importance here of understanding what kind of tree it is by the fruit that is coming from it. 
And as is Jesus' M.O., when he, when he shares truth with his disciples and with those around, he, he does so by comparing it with something in nature that is simple to understand. Right? Trees and fruit. In the crowds that are listening to him, I'm sure you've got a variety of ages, much like we've got here today, a variety of backgrounds, a variety of understandings of the law, of spiritual maturity. There are a variety of people that day that Jesus is speaking to, and how can he possibly speak to all of them on a level they can understand? Well, every person listening that day could understand the concept of a tree and the fruit that comes from it. And this is part of the the genius in Jesus' preaching as he goes and shares the gospel. He's taking profound kingdom truths, and he's pairing them with simple truths in nature like a fruit tree or a farmer or scattering seeds. And yes, the pun was intended when he paired it with fruit trees, but that's okay. It just went right over. It's all right. But he's taking these profound truths, and then he's He's bringing them alongside something that every person there understood a fruit tree and what was coming from it. And, well, of course, that's an apple tree because I see apples coming from it. That's, that's not hard for them to understand. And he's saying, but in that same way that you can look at the fruit and tell me what the tree is, you need to be looking at the people you're following and listening to and saying, what kind of fruit is coming from that tree? And that will tell you, is that a tree worth being like, following? Or is that one better left avoided because it's not fruit that is glorifying to the Lord? J.C. Ryle has a fantastic little book. I mean, very thin, a couple dozen pages, but it's called Simplicity in Preaching. And it talks about the difficulty in taking complex truths and then stating them in such a simple form that anyone and everyone could understand it. And yet, the book would argue that it's a difficulty worth entering. In the book, we, we read this. It says, unless you are simple in your sermons, you will never be understood. And unless you are understood, you cannot do good to those who hear you. It was a true saying of Quintilian, if you do not wish to be understood, you deserve to be neglected. It's a good quote. What I love is that Jesus is speaking to people in a way they could understand it. He's meeting them exactly where they are at, but he's going to use a tree and fruit to give them a warning and instruction in who it is they're following and even what it is they're producing. Now, it's easy to jump into today's section, talking about trees and what kind of fruit are they bearing, and then look out at everyone else around us and begin to use this as a test to say, all right, good fruit, good fruit, oof, bad fruit, all right, and at everyone else. But let's look at this text within the context of what we saw last week, that before we start looking at the speck in someone else's eye, let's look at the log in our own. Before we begin to diagnose everyone else and what kind of tree they are based on the fruit we see in their life, This morning, we would do well to first stop and say, what kind of tree am I? What's the fruit I'm producing in my life? 
And then as we sit before the Lord with that and experience His grace and His mercy and His instruction, now we're better prepared to go and serve those around us with the same kind of grace and mercy and understanding that we've been given. And he begins by saying this, For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. That's not a hard concept to understand. I don't think I need to dive into Greek words to help you comprehend what he's saying right here. Is the tree producing bad fruit? Bad tree. Is the tree producing good fruit? It's a good tree. It's a simple truth. You want to know my favorite tree on our entire property here? It's the good fig tree by the front because it produces good figs. And let me tell you, I can't get out there quick enough to get some of those good figs. You want to know when it stops being a good tree? When it stops producing good fruit. Jesus here is dismissing the idea that there are good leaders worth following that are just producing bad fruit. Or that there are bad leaders worth avoiding, but they're producing a lot of good fruit. There's nothing confusing about this. He says, you look at the fruit and you'll know what kind of tree it is. Or you look at the fruit and it will tell you the root. But let's not forget another category this morning as well. And that could be those that aren't producing any fruit. You know, Scripture has plenty to say about those that aren't producing fruit And maybe you're looking at this and saying, hey, look, I don't want to risk producing bad fruit, so I'm just going to kind of play the neutral ground and try and produce no fruit, right? Better safe than sorry. Realize this, some of Jesus' strongest words are for those who don't produce any fruit. The lukewarm within the body. In fact, the only tree we see Jesus cursing in all of Scripture is an unfruitful fig tree. Matthew 21, 18 through 19 says, Now in the morning as he returned to the city, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves and said to it, Let no fruit grow on you ever again. And immediately the fig tree withered away. This should stir in every one of us a holy fear of ever being unfruitful having all the appearance that there should be fruit there. And yet as he comes to the tree, there are the leaves, and it looks like it's alive and well, and there's nothing being produced. No substance among it. Beware of being people who try and display the presence of good works with no real substance to show for it. John the Baptist, we saw this in earlier on in Luke as he's baptizing people and preparing the way for the Messiah that was going to come. Do you remember what he was calling people to? Luke 3, 8 through 9, he said, therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root 
of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Even John, before Jesus, is saying, you need to be bearing fruit, fruit worthy of repentance. There needs to be substance to it. It's not just words. It's demonstrated through your actions. James would say, and if your faith is without works, it's dead. You look at the tree and there's no leaves and there's no fruit. There's probably no life. It's dead. And he says here, there's nothing better to be done to this tree than to chop it up and cast it into the fire. Fruit trees that don't produce fruit are a waste of space, a waste of soil, water, and energy. And John says they're good for firewood. And that's about it. May that never be said of us as the people of God that we are unfruitful, that what we did was nothing of substance, that our words, our actions, our thoughts, our impact was meaningless and pointless or useless. And maybe you're wondering this morning, what's the deal with referring to our actions and our thoughts and our words as fruit? Why, why of all the things in all of creation that Jesus could choose, why did he latch on to fruit as his example? Well, I think there are many reasons, but one is that like actual fruit, it's something that is first produced from within, and then we see over time coming out and being displayed to those around us. What began as a seed in the ground then sprouted up and began to take form and through continual growth and de- growth and development it produced something tangible, a substance to it. It's like when James 3 speaks of the negative side of this when it talks about temptation. That no one is drawn away or tempted by God but we're drawn away by our own desires and when desire is conceived It gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. There's this process that begins to develop, and there's a process to to fruit and to our actions that come out in our life that didn't just pop up out of nowhere. I've got three fruit trees in my backyard currently, and we're in the very beginning stages of these fruit trees, and so it's a lot of work and no reward. All right, this is the second year with some of these trees, and they're beginning to show leaves, and the branches are getting bigger, but there's still no, no fruit to them. There's no real substance yet, but it's being produced day by day as you continue to water, and they continue to get the nutrients they need. They're developing to the point that they will produce fruit. In the same way, When James speaks about this negative side of these things being developed, we don't just one day all of a sudden fall into this massive weight of sin and struggle and addiction and how did we get here? James says there were thoughts at one point that you allowed to dwell in your mind that you didn't take captive. And those thoughts begin to form into ideas that turn to decisions. Those decisions begin to produce plans and actions based on that decision, and finally, the fruit is that you're carrying it out. 
But there was a whole process that took place there that you were watering and you were feeding and you were carrying along to finally produce this action, good or bad. Life does not consist of one good or bad decision. It's thousands of little decisions each and every day that build up over time and produce this fruit. A fruit that Galatians 5 would give us some practical examples of, both in good and bad, beginning in Galatians 5.19, when it says, The works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's bad fruit from a bad tree. But he goes on to say this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such there is no law. Paul's pointing out for us some of these practical fruits. What do they look like? How are they displayed in the lives of the good tree and the bad tree, the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of the flesh? And this, wor- this list here is worth looking at honestly, worth sitting with and saying, Lord, Show me in my life, what kind of fruit am I producing? Show me if there's any wicked way within me. Is the fruit demonstrating the presence of the work of the Spirit in my life or the work of the flesh? Because fruit doesn't lie. Now, maybe we like to look at our life and we see fruit of the flesh, but we want to say, well, that was just a situation, that was, and make excuses for it. But the fruit doesn't lie. That fruit is coming from the works of the flesh or the works of the Spirit. Which is it? And what are you going to do when you look at that honestly and evaluate what's coming from your life? Now, producing fruit is a long process that requires daily care. There's necessary pollination and fertilization that must first happen along with constant weeding and watering Sunshine, the location where you choose to plant your tree has a profound impact on how that tree is going to do. Are we the tree that's planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and leaf does not wither as Psalms talks about? You know, some trees take years of care before ever producing fruit. Some trees will never produce fruit no matter how much care you give them. But when we read here in our text that every tree is known by its fruit, we need to stop believing that they're a good person, they just make really bad decisions. I've heard that before. Or maybe, yeah, they made good decisions, but really they're a bad person. I'm sure of it. 
Now, producing fruit takes time. It's not to say a bad person can never make a good decision, and it's certainly not saying that a good person will never make a bad decision. But over a long period of time, what kind of lasting fruit is being produced in your life? Because that is going to tell you what kind of tree you are. Where are you planted? What is it that is nourishing you and watering you? As long as you've got a good seed, which we'll see later in Luke 8 as the Word of God, with good soil, as we'll see speaking to the heart in Luke chapter 8, just like a tree you've planted in your yard that you hope to produce good fruit, it takes patience and a willingness to consistently work, to continue to pull weeds that will come back, to continue to toil in that soil that will begin to grow hard, to continue to water it in the living Word of God. And the character of your tree and the condition of your fruit is determined over time. It's determined through daily disciplines. I love that our men's ministry on our men's breakfasts every month are beginning to go through godly disciplines for men. And I'd encourage you men Show up to those every month as we look at a different discipline because that's an important part of continuing to pull out the weeds within our soil and to toil that ground and make sure that it is soft, that it is able to receive the implanted Word of God and produce much fruit. Do you know what's interesting is that a part of allowing a tree to grow is that you have to prune it. And pruning can be a really difficult and, and harsh process, it feels like at times, especially with a tree like I've got in my backyard that is so small and has so few branches. The thought of cutting a branch feels like, what am I doing? This thing's just beginning to grow. But they've got these little tiny sprouts that begin to come off the trunk of your tree, and I love this. Do you know what the term is for those? They're called suckers. There are these little branches at the base of the trunk that are just hindering the growth and development that your tree needs. They're sucking the necessary nutrients from where it is best served. And if you're not careful, pretty soon more and more of those begin to sprout up and they're hindering the growth of the overall tree. There's more sucker than tree left, which I think is so fitting because when you allow things Time suckers in your life, energy suckers in your life, focus suckers in your life, faith suckers in your life to develop and grow, and you don't prune those, pretty soon you're more of a sucker than you are a tree producing good fruit. And sometimes those are painful things to cut away, things that look like I see life there, and there's... There's leaves growing, but they're, they're robbing where the energy and time is best spent. Where it could actually do some good in producing more fruit. And you have to be willing to say, that's a sucker, and I need to cut it off. And the longer you wait, the more you rob yourself of necessary nourishment and fruit. Don't delay and put off 
to tomorrow what God is calling you to do today. And maybe if we're being honest this morning, even now, because God is so good, His Spirit is revealing to you, hey, this thing in your life that you've been continuing to justify, because it's not wrong or bad, but you know deep down it's robbing you from the best thing and needs to be cut off. And something far better is in store when you're willing to do so. That doesn't make it easy. Jesus is stating the obvious, though, here when he says, every tree is known by its fruit. It, it's all the way back in Genesis 1 when everything was, was according to its kind, that you had cattle and more cattle according to their kind, and you had the fish in the water and more according to their kind. And he says, and when you've got fruit, that tree is going to continue to produce more fruit of its kind, and you will know it by its fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. You don't go expecting fruit from plants that aren't fruit-bearing. You're going to get a lot of looks after church, and rightfully so, if you go to the oak tree and you're like, I'm just looking for an apple to snack on. People are going to go, buddy, you're in the wrong place looking for the wrong thing. But it is just as foolish for us as believers to go out into the world and expect to receive nourishment and instruction and solid biblical truth from people that are not good trees. You're going to an oak tree and expecting an apple. You're going to a lost person and expecting to hear the truth that is found in Jesus Christ and His Word. Don't expect to receive good fruit there. Don't expect those places and that source to feed your soul because it doesn't possess what is necessary. He makes it clear here when he says a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. And likewise, an evil person, out of the evil treasures of his heart, brings forth evil. A good man, well, there's none good but God. And the only way there is a good person is if they are in Christ Jesus and covered by his blood. And if they are covered by the blood of Jesus and they are sealed by His Holy Spirit, then their treasure isn't in this world and the things of this world. No, their, their treasure is in heaven, the things to come, where their homeland is. And if they're sealed by the Holy Spirit and they're a part of God's family and their heart is set on heaven and they're living for His eternal kingdom, then the things coming out in their life are good. But likewise, the evil man, the person outside of Christ, who has evil treasures in their heart because they're living for the things of this world, is going to bring forth evil because that's what's within them. That's all they've got. That's their substance. That's their whole being. And the word here for heart, in the Greek, it's cardia. It's where we get our word cardio for exercise that gets your heart rate up. 
That's why we have cardiologists, a physician who specializes in the heart. But you have to understand when, when the writers, especially Luke the doctor here, wrote this word, he wasn't speaking to the literal physical heart. The heart was used, as we often use it today, to represent the inner character of the person. It was who you were deep down inside. Not the surfacey stuff of what people could see, but deep down your conviction within you that motivated your decisions. In the same way, we might refer to someone who is heartbroken, and we're not saying their physical organ is damaged. It has everything to do with an emotional, mental, relational state of being. And these treasures here that he speaks to that exist within it, they're those precious things, the valuable things, the things that carry deep weight and meaning inside of a person. It's a deep conviction that motivates your actions. It's the things you're living for. It's why Matthew 6.21 says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So this treasure in the heart, the things that fill a person, the reason why you get up in the morning, the things that motivate what you say and how you spend your money and where you will go, the two cannot be separated, the treasure and the heart. And so those whose treasure is in heaven, those whose heart is the Lord's, those who are filled with His Spirit and are walking according to His Word, Jesus can confidently say that person is bringing forth good. But the person whose heart is far from Him, who's just living for the pleasures of this world, the person who's not thinking about tomorrow and not caring about the long-term effects of their decisions, they're going to bring forth evil, even if it's not intentional. It's what's produced in a bad tree. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What fills your heart, the treasures that exist there eventually fill up and overflow out of your mouth in the words you say. If your speech is bad, it's usually a good indication of something that is off in your heart. You tell me they're a great person, but just don't listen to their speech. It's inappropriate. There's a lot of foul language. They're not talking about the things of God, but they're really a good person. What's inside of you comes out of you. We're vessels, and what we're filled with is what we pour out. And sometimes it's intentionally, and sometimes we're bumped, and things just spill out of us. Some of you know moments that you've been bumped, that something spilled out, and you've gone, I don't really like that. I'm not really proud of that. That's an important moment to go before the Lord and say, man, there's something not good going on inside here. I'm not going to make an excuse for it. I'm not going to try and justify it. Lord, would you reveal where that's off in my heart and where I need to deal with that? It 
It's revealing something within the heart. And Jesus says, man, out of the abundance of these people's heart, their mouth is speaking. What do we see from the words of Jesus? Man, we see love. We see truth. We see grace. We see compassion. We see mercy. We see the fruit of the Spirit. We see the abundance of his heart and his love for people by the words that he spoke, by the decisions he made, by the sacrifice he made for us on the cross. What's the fruit of our lips? What's the fruit coming from our lives? But what we need to get here today is that the ultimate problem is not the fruit. The fruit is the evidence. It's the indicator to what kind of tree it is. But how foolish would it be for us to go to a tree producing bad fruit and take all the fruit from the tree and then just try and care for the fruit? The tree is going to produce more bad fruit. You wouldn't accomplish anything. If the tree is still bad, it's going to continue to produce good, I mean, bad fruit. The real work is in dealing with the tree. And likewise, the real task for every person, the real issue at hand that needs to be worked on is an issue of the heart. If you're going out into the world and you're trying to reach lost people and you're telling them you need to change your actions, you're trying to deal with the fruit before you've gotten down to the root. You're trying to deal with their actions before their heart has changed. Don't expect good fruit to ever come from a bad tree. And don't expect godly actions of righteousness and truth and justice to be lived out by a person who doesn't have a new heart. Until the heart is dealt with, the actions won't change. Now, sure, I understand that maybe you can force someone for a time to change their actions. You can remove all the abilities for them to make a wrong decision in hopes to bring about better results. But in parenting and in reaching the lost, this is not a sustainable plan. Because one day, when they have the freedom to make their own decisions again, if the heart has not been dealt with, When they have the ability to make their own decisions, they're going to make bad decisions again. You may have prolonged that and postponed it, but you have not fixed the real issue at hand if the heart has not been dealt with. Do you want to see a change in a life? Go for the heart. Get down to what really is the heart of the matter. Dig down into the roots. Get into the soil a bit. See what's nourishing and feeding that tree. What's the substance that's allowing it to continue to grow? And then dig out those weeds when you find them. Water it. Get it some sun. And see if that doesn't begin to change the way it looks, acts, and what it produces. There's nothing more frustrating than if you just try and deal with the fruit in a life. You will continue to see bad fruit, even in your own life. 
If you're looking around and you're seeing, man, I don't like this in my life and, and this needs to go and I want to see more of that fruit in my life, if you just continue to try and change behaviors and actions without getting to the heart of the matter, you're going to be extremely frustrated again and again and again. But when you go before the Lord and you allow His Word to reveal those weeds in your life, to show you where there are things that need to change and suckers that need to be cut off and maybe even a change in location and where you are planted and rooted. And then you respond to that, man, you have an opportunity to bear good fruit because we want to be people that are rooted and grounded in the Word of God. And if you're not rooted and grounded in the Word of God, don't expect to be bearing good fruit worthy of repentance, the fruit of the Spirit. In John 15, we're given great instructions. For those of us today that are recognizing maybe where we're not producing good fruit, maybe where we're not producing any fruit at all, or even those of us this morning that acknowledge, man, I want to produce more good fruit. I want to have an abundance of good fruit. He gives you instructions in John 15. When Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. We saw that in the unfruitful fig tree. Then they gather them and throw them into the lake of fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. He's not beating around the bush here, guys. He's being very clear and direct with us. If you want to bear fruit, you must abide in Him. Apart from Him, you're not going to bear fruit. And as you abide in Him, and He abides in you, and His Word abides in you, and you are bearing fruit, there then is going to come a process where He will prune you. And it will hurt. And you'll feel it. There are times you intentionally choose to cut off the suckers, and there are other times He just cuts it off for you. And you're going, ah, that hurt. I felt that. But He's doing so so that you can abound all the more in producing fruit. My dad had this cherry plum tree that just blossomed and produced so much fruit, but he had a friend come over who helped him prune it. And afterwards, you were going, man, he has just destroyed that tree. And that thing was so full, and it was going to bear so much fruit, but he's cut away so many branches. And now that thing is producing ten times the fruit it was before. 
There are times in your life that you're looking around and going, God, it feels like there's nothing left. You have cut off so many branches in my life. And yet he's doing so to provide space for more fruit to grow. It is painful at times, but it is necessary. And as you abide in him, and he abides in you, and his word dwells in you, he says, then you can bear much fruit. Then you can live as you were meant to live. Jesus does not design any one of you here to be an unfruitful tree. You are meant to bear fruit. But apart from him, you can't do it. Do you want to glorify God today? John makes it clear, then bear good fruit. And you say, how? Remove the suckers. Allow the seed of God's word to take root in your heart. Till the soil of your heart daily. Keep it soft and sensitive to his leading. Spend time in his presence that his living water might nourish your soul. Let the pruning take place as he desires to do in your life. And keep coming back day after day, week after week, for fresh water, new sun, more of him, so that slowly and surely you may begin to see the fruit of his spirit in your life and that it would abound more and more. And then as you go out your door every morning, be wise and discerning in who it is you choose to listen to and what it is that you're following. Don't just take someone's words as truth. Look at the fruit in their life. Examine what their actions are and their impact is and see if that's a truth. A truth? A Beware of truths, let me tell you. And trees bearing bad fruit, too. We live in a world where you can get sound bites all the time. Quick little snippets of a word someone said, of an opinion someone has, of their perspective and their idea on a topic. And it can be easy to see a 30-second video and begin to draw your own decisions and conclusions and actions based on this one moment. But as a believer, you have a responsibility to do your homework, to dig deeper, to see what kind of fruit is being produced from that life, from those ideas, from those people, before you begin to adopt it as your own. Because as believers, we desire to bear good fruit in abundance, and it's crucial that we don't allow bad trees to be our guide. It's a simple parable that everyone then could understand that I don't think anyone here today is scratching their head on. But let me ask you this morning, as you sit honestly before the Lord and His Word, what kind of tree are you and what fruit are you producing? Because it has more to do than just what impact are you making today. It has 
eternity at stake. And this morning, it's important that you're willing to be honest before God and yourself. Say, man, am I producing good fruit? Am I producing fruit at all? Am I producing bad fruit? And then respond accordingly. As I invite the worship team to come back up, we're going to be closing in a couple songs of worship. There's going to be people available in the front of the room, upstairs in the back of the room that are available for prayer. But before we move into that time of responding as a whole, as the Spirit might be leading you, I want to take a moment this morning to give you an opportunity to respond right now If you're already realizing, man, I am not a good tree, I'm not bearing good fruit, but I want to be, but there's a desire there, and I want to be a good tree that bears good fruit, and you're telling me I can't do that apart from God, so what do I need to do? You need to get right with God this morning. You need to allow Him to uproot you, to give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you so that you can bear good fruit, and that starts with bearing fruit worthy of repentance. Scripture tells us we are all sinners. Every one of us has failed. The only difference from us all being bad trees producing bad fruit in here is because Jesus came. He lived the life we couldn't live. He died the death that we deserve, and His blood has made a way that we can be good trees that bear good fruit. You can have a new heart and spirit when you confess with your mouth that you are a sinner who needs a Savior, when you believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, rose three days later, and offers you salvation. Not by your good works, we're saved by grace through faith. And this morning, you have that opportunity if you need to make that decision to surrender, to confess, to repent, and then to receive. And this doesn't take 20 years. This can happen in a moment. but he calls you to make a decision. The gospel calls you to make a decision because you're either a good tree or you're a bad tree. There is no okay tree. And so I want to ask this morning, before I close in prayer, we move to a time of worship and responding as you feel led. Right now, is there anybody in this room that needs to raise their hand and needs to make the decision this morning to say, I'm, I'm not a good tree bearing good fruit, but I want to be, and so I want to confess Jesus as Lord. I want to repent of my sins. Is that you this morning? Praise God. Anyone else this morning? Praise God. Anyone else? you join me in praying for those who raised their hands this morning? And God, we thank you for those this morning that are, that are responding to your Spirit's leading, even if they didn't realize coming in this morning, that's what they'd be doing. We thank you that your Spirit is a good guide and a good teacher. And that as you spoke to their hearts this morning, as you revealed to them where they were bearing bad fruit and where there needed to be a change, they responded. Thank you, Lord. God, we celebrate those decisions this morning. And God, we pray that even in this moment, 
as you are faithful to do, that you would take that heart of stone, give them a heart of flesh, that you would put your spirit within them, that you would renew their minds, God, that they would understand this morning that they now have a new identity in Christ. Old things have passed away and all things are new and that they are now welcomed into the family of God. God, we celebrate that this morning. You are so good. And God, we pray that now you would bring alongside them good trees to show them a better way and that they would produce good fruit as they abide in you. Lord, I pray for all of us this morning, no matter where we are and what kind of tree we are, we can all grow. I pray that we would abide in you and your word, that you would prune us as you see fit, and that we would bear much fruit for your glory and your honor. Thank you, Jesus, for this parable this morning. Thank you for your living and active word. Now, God, as we move into a time of worship, a time of prayer, a time of response, God, I pray that we would bear fruit in our actions, that these would be more than just words, that this would be more than just ideas, that there would be tangible expressions of those ideas in the way we live and speak and what we do today. And it's in your mighty name, Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. And would you just give a hand for those who responded this morning?